Thank you for listening to the podcast of Dublin Bible Church. We're going to start in Psalm 16. I have a couple other uh, small just things that I'm going to touch on from there. And we're going to continue this time of worship and singing and exalting and praising our Lord and Savior. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that have been going on, and to be honest with you, uh, that a lot of people don't even know about in this church, and I know what weighs heavy on our mind and our hearts right now, but there's a lot of things that, that have just have really been surrounding me and people confiding in me as being your pastor and as being someone who you know that loves you, that I get entrusted with people's stories and their hurts and their messages. And yet I've been, I've been drawn to a place and the Lord has taken me to a place where I said and say, God, I am helpless before you. I'm helpless before you. And I've got people who, who are under financial strain and they're talking to me about that and there's people who've got family concerns, deep family concerns, people wrestling with their own, their own personal idea of themselves and identity of themselves. And now we have all of these other relational strains going on. We have health concerns and everybody walked in here with something. And my, my hope for you is that after today that we would have this idea of a triumphant truth that's going to be presented from Psalm 16 that will, that will challenge you, that will give you hope, and will in- inspire you not to cower down when life brings you adversity, but to stand upright with the Word of God and with the truth of God. Not to be defeated, but as this psalm says at the end, to stand in victory. Now, if you would look at your bulletins um, very quickly, um, the front of the bulletin usually has the title of the sermon. Well, this sermon really has no title, so um, what you see there is just a mirage. It's not even real. Um, I don't know what it says on there. You're probably going to see it again next week, but, uh, but that, is, that is, is not the case. So much of what you see in the bulletin is not what we're going to be talking about today. I would say this, though. Um, this is, uh, you're welcome as a church, so welcome. There you go. Got that out of the way. Um, if you have an offering, you know where to put it in the brown box. But I, I do want to say this. There are events and things going on. There are prayer requests, and we're going to continue to pray. N- never in, in the life of this church have I known and, and just really felt the warmth and comfort of people's prayers personally, but then also in the situation that the Lord has presented me in. And I want to just brag on you as a church, your praying church, your warriors who believe and pray in faith that Christ can reconcile people, he can reconcile lives, and he reconciles brokenness as a whole. Give yourselves a round of applause if you would. Psalm 16 says this. David wrote this, this psalm. We don't know the exact situation that he wrote the psalm, but we do know why he wrote the psalm. He wrote the psalm to tell us that, that we have a triumph and hope that comes from the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. And verse 1 says this, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. 
David did not look at his life and he did not take refuge and did not put his, his stronghold in his abilities. This is after he has slayed Goliath, after he's been a hero to the people, but he did not rest on the things that he has done. He did not rest on his accomplishments. He did not rest on, on the, the world and, or the, the worldly pleasures that were surrounding him and the relationships that were surrounding him. He didn't rely on any of those things. He says, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. He's going before the throne of God and saying, I'm coming before you for the answers. I'm coming before you for the hope that you provide. I know that I have not been able to do anything apart from you. This healing that I need in my life will not happen apart from you, O God. So he says, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. Verse 2, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Everybody say, no good thing. He says, I have no good thing. I've got, yeah, I've, I've got all these pleasures and I've got, I've got stuff and I've got wealth and I've got money, I've got gold, I've got whatever I want at the, at the, the world's exposal. But he says, God, a, apart from you, I have no good thing. What good things do we have this morning, church? I'll tell you some good things. And in my time, I love to be outside, but I'm reminded every single day when I look at a, at a beautiful sunset. I'm not a morning person, so I don't see sunrise very much. The sun sets, and I look at a sunset, and I think to myself, that is a good thing. Is that a good thing this morning? It's like I look at the sunset, and I look at the, the beauty of a sunset, and it's different every single day. And it displays God's, God's glory and God's majesty every single day. And it's new. It's new for us because it's a good thing. And God provides good things. What's another good thing? I'll tell you what's a good thing. A church rallying around those in need and just kind of pouring out to that family in need. That's a good thing, isn't it, church? I'll tell you what else is a good thing. A good thing is just the Lord providing for us in the way that he does. That all of us are going to go to homes today. That's a good thing. The jobs that you have, that the Lord has given you to provide for you, your loved ones, and your family, that's a good thing. Providing for this church for several years ago to buy these five acres, to have a building that's paid off, to come into this space and just pour out our heart to the Lord, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And David said, apart from God, I have no good thing. I have no good thing. Paul, when, when he wrote, he says, you know what? I am just, I, my righteousness, my goodness, he says, it's like filthy rags before God. I have no good thing before you, Lord, but through you I have pure and total reconciled righteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the same thing this morning, but apart from God, we have no good thing. And even though bad things happen, and they do happen, even though bad things happen in, in our lives and we see it happen in, in people's lives around us and we go through stress and we go through hardship, it doesn't take away from the good things that God has poured out to us, the grace that he has given us. A good thing is being able to just have a heartfelt conversation maybe on, uh, with your wife at night and you're sitting down and you're just pouring out your heart to, to your wife or your husband at night and you're the only ones there and you're, you think you're the only ones who understand and you're sitting down just, just pouring it out before the Lord and, and before each other and there are tears that are flowing. I have to tell you, church, that hurts, but that's a good thing. That he didn't just say, 
You need to bottle it in. You need to be isolated. You need to live in fear. You need to live in anguish. You need to live in pain. He didn't say that. He says, I've given you good things. And the good things of God are not to be taken away when we go through bad things. The world is corrupt. Our relationships are corrupt. Your mind, although it's being set apart to God, was totally corrupt. Everything about us, our emotions were corrupt. And yet, we trust God because he gives us, what does he give us, church? Good things. He gives us good things. Verse 3. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take their names on my lips. David says, I gain strength and I, I, I understand that I cannot look at the world system to have all of my, my, my worldly pleasures fulfilled because they're not fulfilling at all. Temporary at best. And David says at the beginning in verse 3, he says, As for the saints, the children of God, who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. David says, I gain strength from other people. Christians, we gain strength from other people. That when we go through things as Christians, and it's heartbreaking to me because I see people who purposely isolate themselves. And they go through hardship and they try and bury those pain and they bury those pains. And what they do is they isolate themselves from other people and they don't get the strength that David talks about of the comfort and the strength that's gained by being around followers of Christ. Some of the, the best times in my life, I would say, and the most comforting times in my life, not when I've had answers, but when I've, I've, I've walked next to somebody and somebody has maybe said a single word or a single sentence of hope to me or declared truth to me. Not just like truth, like God loves you, because I'll be honest with you, when we go through things in life, God does love us, and I'm not saying that he doesn't, but many times we need more than just God loves you. There are many times where, where I need somebody to, to come next to me and say, what you're doing is wrong. The way you feel has been tainted by sin. In this situation, you're not supposed to be isolating yourself because you're actually bringing that upon yourself. See, those are good things too. Because the Lord, I believe, doesn't want us to be isolated. He doesn't want us to live guilty lives. He doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to live holy and set apart for his work and for his glory. In a verse 4, David, or, David makes this distinction. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. He says the sorrows will increase. You're, you're not going to be able to gain strength from people who have nothing to give you. Christian, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning and you're going through things, you can't look to people who are outside of Christ for the strength that only comes by, by this connection of the Holy Spirit that's the commonality of all believers. You can't get outside of that. That's what David says. He says, I don't look for those people because they're, not, they're, they're tainted by sin. 
I'm not, I can't gain strength from these people. He says, I want to get next to God's people. I delight in God's people. It's more than just church attendance. It's that, it's that phone call of hope. It's that Facebook message of hope. It's, it's that, that comfort of knowing that somebody else cares. Maybe, not, maybe that they haven't been in the same situation as you, but that they know and they can empathize with you and say, you know what, I don't, I don't exactly know what you're going through, but I know what God has done in my life. And the way that's conveyed to us is by giving us strength. By giving us strength. Verse 5. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. The Lord has assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. See, God gifts us. The reason why we can have this this triumphant truth of the Word of God and this triumphant hope that is is bigger than our situation, it's bigger than, than our doubts, it's bigger than our fear, it's bigger than our pain, it's bigger than our sorrow, and bigger than our anguish, is because God has been constantly, if you're a follower of Christ, He's been constantly pouring gifts out to you out of His goodness because we said that God gives good things, doesn't He, church? And one of the best things that He gives is gifts. He, in, in it, he doesn't just enable you to get through life. He enables you to, to overcome those things in life. And He says, Lord, You have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my law secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And what David is speaking of, he says, yes, I know that I'm, I'm living my life for more than right now. I know that right now things are, look a little bit uncertain, but I, I'm living with, with the things to come, with the hope to come. He says, I'm, I'm not just basing my existence on today. I'm not basing my existence on my emotion. I'm not just basing my existence and my identity on the pain that I have today. He says, it's so much bigger than that. But I have my portion. I have my cup. I have this inheritance. It's, it's to get me through the day, but it's also to propel me into tomorrow. That we wouldn't limp into tomorrow, but that we would overcome. And he's given us the truth. And he's given us the truth of God's word in Psalms just like this, where David, who just so expresses himself, and he's not afraid to tell you exactly how he feels and to paint the full picture of his life. Whatever your pain is this morning, the worst thing you can do is bottle it in. You're not strong enough. If you think in your mind that you're, you're carrying these burdens, and I know men, you struggle with this the most because you think you need to stand the tallest. You need to think you need to embrace the, all of the, the worries and doubts and fears. You're lying to yourself because you cannot. The Lord Jesus is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our stronghold in times of need is what the word says. And the reason why that he gives us these promises is so that we would rely on them and not rely on ourselves. Those are some of God's gifts. Continues in verse 7. There's a transition. He says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Who, and some of us probably have been, who has been woken up in just a, I mean, just the best of sleep, probably best sleep you've had in weeks, and the Lord woke you up in the middle of the night with a word, with a verse, with the truth, and with the hope. Who's had that this morning? I know, I know somebody more than me.
which means that this verse is true. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. See, he says, I have God's presence. Even in this moment, even when I'm asleep, even when, when I have all these things, if you're a follower of Christ, you have the, the promise of God's presence. That is a good thing this morning, church. That he doesn't just leave you in your situation. He will always give you a way out of your situation or a way to get through your situation. I talked about this last week. Sometimes we go over the mountain. Sometimes we have to just kind of plow through the mountain. That's what we have to do as Christians. But God says, I've given you promises. That's the reason why I give you hope. That's why there's security in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why these things exist. He says, I've given you these things and they're at your disposal, church. They're at your disposal. But just because they're there doesn't mean that you're going to use them. You have to ascertain them. You have to grab them. You have to use them. You have to utilize them. God has done His part by giving them. Now we need to do our part in taking them. David said something else in Psalm 34. Share this. Speaking into God's presence. Psalm 34, verse 15 says this, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in the spirit. That's a promise of God's presence, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing, church. The eyes of the Lord. I love this. The face of the Lord. So, so you, see, you see different aspects of this. And, and, and they're put in ways that we can totally understand. The eyes of the Lord, which means the Lord sees us in our situation. That he's aware of our situation. But he also listens. He listens in our situation. When we cry out to him in prayer. When we cry out to him in just utterances that we, we can't even put into words. That he knows the depths of our heart. That his ears are attentive to our cry. And yet the face of the Lord is, is against those who do evil. Which means the very things that the, that the enemy tries to deceive you of and to tell you and create lies of disbelief within you and try and create mistruths within you, the Lord stands and his face is against that opposition. So you don't fight it alone. The Lord's presence is with you. And the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and he delivers them. That means the Lord does something. He delivers them from their trouble. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord's presence is a good thing. We also know, and if you're a student of the Bible, we know that we have, speaking of verse 7, I'll praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. The counselor, we have the great counselor. John 14 through 16, we're not going to cover all that today. It, it goes into great depths talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how that works in the heart of a believer. The reason why we, we can receive that instruction, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, the reason why we can receive that is because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to help us to decipher truth. 
And I have to tell you, in, in a world, in a day and age, and I watch the news like you watch the news, and I watch all kinds of different news channels. I don't care if they say they're fair and balanced or if you, you think they're against you, whatever the case may be. The reality is there's only one declared truth. That's right here. And the reason why we know that's true is because with the commonality of all believers, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit living within us that confirms confirms in us, this is truth, this is not truth. This is without error, this is with error. And we have the, the promise of God's presence within us. The Holy Spirit to say... The, the reason why you can be counseled and instructed and be led into, into greener your pastors, as David would write in some other, uh, some other of the Psalms, is because we have the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us, that we are never alone. And anytime you feel like that you are alone in a situation, and you may, you may be personally alone, you may be in a room by yourself, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, and you feel like I'm all alone in this, that is deception from the devil himself, because we have the ministry of the Holy Spirit as a comforter. We have the Lord as a wonderful counselor through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, speaking truth into us, declaring truth, triumphant truth like we're talking about this morning. Verse 9, Psalm 16. Know the transition. David uses the word therefore. He's drawing on the things that he's talked about thus far. And he says, Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you have not abandoned me to the grave and you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with the joy of, in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. These are some of God's best promises. And he says, therefore, because of all these things, and I see the goodness of God, and I see, I see his presence is with me, I see and I experience the gifts that he's given me, and I understand all these things, and I'm, I'm, I'm living in this moment right now, and I have the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and my life, it may, be, it may be just in a place of complete uncertainty, but all I have right now is the security that I have in Christ. And he says, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, my body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave. He says, you're not going to just let me rot. You're not just going to let me be just, uh, th- there's hope beyond this life. There's hope beyond the flesh that we have on our, our earthly bodies today. And he's speaking of this. And he says, nor, at the back end of verse 10, he says, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You see, David was a prophet in his own right, and he's pointing to Jesus. In the Old Testament, they, this happens a lot. There's a pointing to Jesus and saying uh, you, that you will not let your Holy One decay. That Jesus Christ rose from the grave. We have hope in the resurrection. There was an empty tomb, and David draws on that, and he says, I know because that you would not even let your Holy One see decay. Now I know that you're not going to let me see the same thing either, or that rather, that you're not going to let me be in the grave forever either. There's hope beyond this life, church. There's hope beyond your situation. There's hope beyond your brokenness. There's hope beyond whatever your financial burden is. And I know many of us are just, they're weighing down financially in uncertainty of jobs, relationships, families, raising kids. We, we, we feel like we're swimming in the ocean all by ourselves. But let me tell you, there's hope in Jesus Christ. 
Does somebody believe it this morning? And David relies on on this this prophecy, and he says, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. He says, I don't even know what this totally means. David's, he's prophesying about something that he hasn't necessarily seen. And he says, but I know, and I have this promise, that you're going to do a great work in my life. That even, even in my situation and in my circumstances, Life is not over. Because as you have made sure that, that Jesus did not decay, that he rose again. And because of that, we have this hope. And we're going to see in the rest of this pack, uh, passage. Verse 11. You have made known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. He says, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest secure. And he's going through different things. He says, my heart is going to be filled up because of these good things, God, that I know that you're giving me. You're giving me the gift of your presence. You're giving me the gift not just to to help me limp through life, but to overcome in this life, to give me victory in this life, to give me victory in this this burden that I'm not just going to be sitting here and that that my life is, is bigger than flesh and blood that I'm living into eternity. And he says, you have made made known to me the path of life and that you will fill me with joy in your presence. David says, I can't wait until all of this passes away and I am just filled. And the only word he can use is joy in the presence of the Almighty. It seems like, like such a pathetic word, doesn't it? To be in the presence of the Almighty and it's just joy. I mean, there's so many words that would be They, they wouldn't do justice to what's happening. But he says that with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Eternal pleasures. He says, God, I'm trusting you for so much more. I'm trusting you for today. I'm trusting you for this moment. I know that you're the giver of good things. And apart from, from you, there are, there are no good things. I, I can't offer anything else to you, Lord, other than, than myself. In church, I have to say the same thing for you. The only thing and the best thing that you can offer in this moment and in your hurt and this circumstance and in your pain and in your struggle and in your anguish is yourself. Because that's all the Lord really wants. And David says, you've made known to me the path of life. You you will fill me with the joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. We're all faced with eternity, folks. We're all faced with it one way or the other. We either live in the presence of the Almighty or we live separated from the Almighty. That's our only two choices. But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have all those things available to you today. You have the comfort of His presence you have the, the, the wonder of his giftedness and gifts. I'm not just talking about spiritual gifts. We'll talk about those in a couple of weeks. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about the, God's gift to you is grace for the day. Sometimes it's not for the day. Sometimes it's for the moment. 
Sometimes it's to get through a difficult conversation. Sometimes it's to, it's to, to believe God and you're writing a check and you're believing something by faith and you're writing this check and saying, God, I don't know, I don't know why this is. I, I don't know why I'm struggling with this, but I'm believing big things with this check that I'm giving over to you before I spend the rest on me. That's a challenge. A challenge to believe. God, it's been so huge over these last couple weeks. And the thing that that I want us as a church is I, I think that this is the most pivotal moment the band can come up. This is the most pivotal moment in our church as, as far as I see it. I know we've had pivotal moments. But the tension that we all have right now is are we going to believe God for bigger things? Are we going to believe God for things that we have not even seen or experienced yet? Are we going to live our life as if Jesus is on the throne or are we going to live our life like we're dying on the cross? What are we going to do, church? I think when a church goes through a point of crisis and we're all in a point of crisis that we can either cower down or we can stand in victory with Christ. And I have to tell you, as Psalm 16 says, David painted a pretty good picture that we need to stand in victory. Let's stand as a church. 